The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for having me here this week. I'm always excited to come back for World Reach Week. I've been able to have some amazing conversations with a lot of you, visit some classes, uh, connect with some of the other reps. Um, and if you haven't been here for a World Reach Week before, it's an amazing opportunity to see how God is working uh, around the globe. Uh, as you saw, our ministry is dedicated to serving and coming alongside those going through the valleys of life. A lot of what we do is based here in Pennsylvania, but we've had groups go overseas uh, as needed. Um, we don't necessarily go and start hand evangelism Ghana or hand evangelism Lithuania, but we might go and help come alongside missionaries or come alongside churches in these other countries, uh, come alongside these other ministries and see how we can help them keep an eye out in their local community and support those who are going through some of those challenges. I was born with a condition called spina bifida and was paralyzed from the waist down ever since birth. At about eight years old, I started going to handy camp myself as a camper. Um, I was, one of, I was one of those campers where handbooks needed to be changed because rules may or may not have been stretched and uh, pranks were done over and over and over again. Um, I, was, I was the student who spent a lot of elementary and middle school in the hallway. Um, I talked a lot. And the teachers said, well, just wait till you get, you get a class and you get to be in front of people and you'll see how it is then. Look at me now. No. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, I was, uh, the word was, um, let me see if I can read. Oh, class clown was the word uh, for years. But God is good. Um, and I was saved right around my sixth grade year. And I switched from hating school to wanting to be a teacher, uh, specifically to educate students who were struggling like I did um, in the gospel. And so a few years later, I went off to college. I got a degree in elementary ed and special ed. Um, and in, I think, my sophomore or junior year of college, I was invited to teach Bible classes for Handicamp, for our ministry's summer camp group. Um, and this was really my first opportunity to, to go and educate. And I said, no. I was like, ah, not me, choose somebody else. Uh, ever heard of Moses at the burning bush? Like, no, choose somebody else. Um, but that was kind of a turning point for me. And um, after some conversations with the pastors and from some other wise counselors, I realized the opportunity I had. And that it wasn't just me, but that it was an opportunity to share not me, but what God had done. Um, and as I kind of began that mental shift, more opportunities opened up. And so now I work full-time with this ministry, with Hand Evangelism. I do our staff recruiting. I travel from college to college. I connect with other camps, other ministries. Um, and more broadly, 
God's allowed me to use my own testimony and my own journey to point to him and his work. But you don't have to have a disability or have some sort of like major moment to see God work, right? I've been to World Reach Week a few times. I've, I've visited Karen for some, other, uh, for some other events. And I'll be honest, it was far too long before I, 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 had, I had kept coming and I would go and people would ask me, hey, where'd you go? I went to Karen. What's Karen? I don't really know. Like, <laughs> it's th- I don't know. It's the it's school, right? Like, um, so I had to do some research. So I did some research on Cairns. And it was really interesting. Um, I went to this website, www.cairn.edu, uh, and it said that you should check it out. It's a really neat website. Um, it says, Cairns are piles of stones used as a memorial or trail marker. They bear a witness and they point the way. That was pretty significant. So, of course, I had to go down the rabbit trail. I started looking to see what cairns are, are used for elsewhere, for hikers or mountain bike. Any hikers here? Okay, a couple people. Um, they're often used to, to designate certain pathways, especially above the tree line where you're not marking trees. You'll have cairns that will be pointing certain ways on the pathway, marking away from danger or marking towards, hey, there's the summit or here's a, here's a great scenic overlook. In history, uh, throughout history, cairns are used in a variety of cultures. I found out that apparently cairns uh, of different types have been uh, referred to in places like Croatia, Canada, Portugal, Ireland, Somalia, South Korea, Greenland. There was a neat, uh, a neat thing I found as far as hi- in Highland folklore, apparently, as Soldiers would go to battle, they would drop stones on a pile. And as, the battle, as they came back from battle, they would pick up their stones, and the ones that were left were a monument to those that were left behind. Wow. So cairns have been used for different purposes in different cultures throughout history, and they have significance to different peoples in, in what they stand for. Cairns are in the Bible. You may be able to think of one or two right off the top of your head. Most popular one is in 1 Samuel chapter 7. You could turn there if you'd like. First Samuel 7. God had been fighting for his people, the children of Israel. They were... Uh, They had entered the promised land, and they were going up against the Philistines. Over and over again, God would fight on behalf of his people. And at this moment, Samuel gathers the people. They had fought the Philistines. They were about to fight the Philistines. God went to fight for them. It said he brought a great thundering and, and caused confusion amongst the, the Israel's enemies. 
So then in verse 12, 1 Samuel 7, verse 12, Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. If we backtrack a little bit, Exodus, Exodus 20, the Israelites get the Ten Commandments. A couple chapters later, God makes a promise to his people. You obey these commandments, I will bring you into a promised land. They respond in Exodus 24 by building an altar, offering sacrifices, but they also build a pillar of 12 pillars of stone, cairns, to commemorate that moment. And not just that moment, but also they responded with, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. Their pillar signifying that moment recognized who God was, where he had brought them so far, and that he was a God who was going to keep his promises. Joshua 4. Turn to Joshua 4. It's a little bit of a longer passage. Oh, sorry, not Joshua 4. I just want to double check here. Oh. Yes, Joshua 4. I need to not look at judges. <laughs> Rookie mistake. <laughs> Joshua chapter 4, the Israelites are crossing over the Jordan River. It begins, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man. And command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the midst of of the, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. They built a cairn. Why? Verse 7. These stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Not just a memorial of, hey, cool, the water stopped and we could walk on dry land. The memorial 
was to what the Lord had done. They had wandered for 40 years in a wilderness. But God brought them out of Egypt and brought them to the promised land. They were led by the Ark of the Covenant. A covenant is the promise that God makes with his people. You obey my commandments, I will take care of you. I will guide you. I will guard you. I will provide for you. I will bring you to that promised land. You will be able to cross a river on dry ground. These stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So cairns are kind of like a, like a visual aid. They show us something. They show us, oh, hey, stay on this path. Oh, hey, here's a scenic overlook. Oh, hey, be careful of this dangerous spot. Oh, hey, look what God has done. And it's not just showing. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but it's, it's show and tell. They're a visual aid but they don't just put up the stones, take a while to look at it, and then go on their merry way. The stones remained there, and the understanding was that, back in verse 6, when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? You shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stones are there as a visual aid, yes, but that story remained. And there was an understanding that their children and their future generations would ask, what happened here? And these people could point to, look what God did. God is working in our lives. All too often, we ignore it. We look for, we look for big moments, like something, something happens, you're provided with a car at the last moment, somebody comes out of surgery, Whatever, it's, it's great. That's, a, that's an awesome reason to praise God. And yes, that was a God moment. But who knows how many God moments we go through every day, preserved on the highway, what, whatever the case may be, little moments here and there where God is working. And we need to be cairns pointing people to what our God has done, Right? We need to show who he is, and we need to tell people about it. That's what a cairn is. It's the, it memorialized a spot where something significant happened, and there was a story or, or a message of significance that goes along with it. If we are in Christ we should be looking like him. We should be growing each day to become more like him. We should be building those fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Has anybody here got that all down? <laughs> it's hard. It's a lifelong journey, a lifelong process to grow in those areas. We are to, to grow in holiness, becoming more like Christ, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But 
we are also to love our neighbor as ourselves. Part of that is sharing the gospel. What better way to illustrate that we love somebody than to point them to Christ, than to point them to their need of salvation and the one who can give them that salvation. We're told in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Our good works don't make us right with God. But our, that's how we're known. We're known by our works. People should be able to see how you interact with those around you and not just those who can do something nice in return for, to you. But you should be doing those good works not for a pat on the back, not to come up and get your hand shaken and get a certificate or an award at graduation. They should see that, oh, you're not just a nice person. You're so friendly and kind. They should say, there's something more to you. There's something different about you. So you can tell them, I represent Christ. Look at the God I serve. I want to be a cairn. I want to be a monument to who my God is. I serve a big God. So how can I go and treat people like this, right? But a lot of times that's what we do. We, we stay in our comfort zones because, well, it's comfortable. <laughs> and we don't keep an eye out for opportunities to care for those who need us, to share the gospel to those who need us. I was teaching a study not, not long ago about Jonah. It's a really interesting book. And the great prophet of the Lord went to go speak to the Assyrians after not going to speak to the Assyrians. And when he finally got to Nineveh, he goes and preaches, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And then like prayed for the people, right? Wrong. He went to go sit on the hillside and wait for the brimstone. And I feel like sometimes for some of us, that's kind of our reaction. Like we... we we're, we're so, maybe we're so mad at a certain group of people or there's a group of, of people that, or we're, we're so, we want to be so distant from them that like, okay, I'll throw a couple verses their way, but then I'll stop and just wait for the judgment. And God was the one who said, you cared more about this plant than a, a city of 120,000 people. Like, yes, we serve a God of holiness, but we serve a God of mercy. And all too often, we end up like the story of the, the, the Good Samaritan, where that man was beaten on the side of the road, and we pass by like, mm, I'm on my way to Bible study, I don't have time for this. Right? Like, come alongside them. It is 
in my mind, it is easier to just go to somebody who's suffering with a disability or loss or brokenness and be like, well, trust God, all things work together for good. Bye. Rather than sit and listen to them or go through that struggle with them day after day after day and sometimes just listen and be like, you know what? That pain is real. I get it. I'll pray for you. But we serve a God of mercy. Let me be a Karen and point you to who he is. That's love. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. So being a Karen is, is being a memorial, being a monument to God's faithfulness, showing the way to him because it's not about us. But it also is tell. I didn't get to do this a lot in elementary school, but we, I know a couple times we had show and tell and I could bring in like, hey, here's my new basketball, right? Like, let me score on you real quick. No. Um, right? An opportunity to show something that's important to us and tell people about it. And that's essentially what we should be doing with the gospel. I think sometimes maybe we overthink it, like, well, maybe, what if I can't, I can't give a whole presentation in front of people, or what if I can't, what if I get the words wrong, or what if I, you know. Yes, no scripture. That is a key. We show Christ in our good works. We, we reflect the Father so that we can, they can see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. But we tell people, I don't really like that, like, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Like, use words. Use, there's a lot of people in the Bible shared the gospel, and they used words. And, like, we have words. Like, use them. Why? The word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Use it. Um, it's like, build a house, use tools if necessary. Anyway. Um, so... So yeah, what if we don't tell people? So what if, for example, I get this really nice, nice Karen jacket, right? Pretty nice, right? So I could, I could wear this on all my travels. I could go to all the other schools that I recruit at and wear my Karen jacket, right? Right, right. Right, that's like, that's pretty nice. So I could show people what Karen is, sort of. What if I showed but didn't tell? Oh, nice jacket. Yeah, thanks. What's Karen University? Oh, it's a school. I don't really want to talk about it. Actually, I would talk about it, but I don't want to offend you because you go to a different school. And so I don't know if I really tell all the things that I love about Karen that I might offend your school. And so, you know, I, maybe I won't really talk about it because, you know, you might, you might like unfriend me or something, right? What? Tell people. If we're following Christ and seeking to represent him, we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We show and we tell. Like I said, we have the words. Learn them. Meditate on them. Study them day and night. The Bible says that. It says, 
So when, we, when people start asking us, we can say, well, actually, in the word of God, not my words, but the word of God, it says we all have sinned and fall short of God, God's glory. It says in Romans 6, the wages of that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And they might ask, how do we get that? Well, it does say that God loved us so much in that while we were still sinners, before we got our act together, Christ died for us. That's love. That's the God I'm trying to show. And that's the God I am telling you about. So yes, we need to study God's word. We need to meditate God, on God's word. That's a huge part of it. We can't really share the gospel if we don't know the gospel and we don't really believe the gospel. Like it's one thing if it's just words, but what if somebody asked me on all my travels, well, what's Karen? Like, okay, well, Karen, um, it exists to educate students to serve Christ in the church, in the society, in the world, and um, they seek to produce biblically-minded, well-educated, professionally competent men and women of character. Okay. Cool. It is really cool. But they'll be able to tell if I don't really care. They'll be able to tell if it's only academic knowledge read off the about page. I could tell them that, but I can also tell them every time I come on this campus, the amount of people to come and encourage me and the conversations I've had with people and the prayer times and, and just the culture is one that loves God and loves others. I've witnessed that personally. That will make a difference. Peter and John at the beginning of Acts, had healed a, blind, or healed a lame man in front of the temple. They began preaching the gospel and were promptly arrested. They were brought before the, the council, who told them no more preaching about Jesus. They responded, whether it's right in the sight of God to speak about this, you judge. Then they followed that up with, we cannot help but share what we have seen and heard. That is what a witness is. I can't help but tell you what my God has done in my life and in the lives of, of other believers. Look what my God can do. That's the gospel. That's being a cairn. You can't stop my God. Let me tell you about him. Let me show you who he is. Be a memorial. Be a monument. Point to the greatest scenic overlook of all time looking at the cross. Part of that is recognizing those monuments in your own life. How has God worked in your own journey? 
not just the big moments, but the day-to-day. Point to God through how you're acting, showing who he is, and telling people about him from his word and from your own life and, and what he has done in your life. World Reach Week is, is neat because we get to see people from all over the world, representing people from all different countries and backgrounds, and hear how God is working across the globe. And I think sometimes there's a challenge or, or a tension that's like, well, I've got to finish this paper right now. And I've got to finish this semester right now. And I've got to finish this major right now. And this stuff can wait. So I'm not going to sign up and I'm not going to go to the tables and talk to strangers and have them hand me a bunch of pamphlets that I'm going to fold up and stuff in my backpack. And anyway, um, (laughs) but it's an opportunity this week to hear what God is doing. Some of these people have been in the ministry for a very long time. And it is hard. And it is lonely. But God is still God. And if you stop at the table, yeah, you might get a brochure, you might get some candy or a pen. But if you give them an opportunity and you listen, let them be a care hear how God has worked in their ministry, in their lives. Pray with them. Encourage them. I think the more you take an opportunity to listen to how God is working at some of these booths and and in some of these places around the world, the greater your view of God will be. And yes, I wouldn't really, I guess, be a recruiter if I wasn't up here and said, get involved! Right. Yes, I know you have stuff going on right here, right now. But what can you do right here and right now? God may not be calling you across the ocean in this moment. He may be. But how can you start? That doesn't happen overnight, right? We didn't get into these roles, just kind of wake up like, "Mm, yep, here I go, I'm going. God has to work in our lives, call us, and we need to be faithful. Sometimes we might be pushed to go do great, amazing things for God. Sometimes we might need to be faithful where we're at. There were a number of different men who... Jesus called and used to do incredible things. When he called them, a number of them were faithfully mending nets. They were fishermen. They were fixing their nets, being faithful and little, doing what they needed to do in the moment. But they were ready when God called them. You need to be faithful where you're at in this moment. But you need to be open when he calls you. Cairns, 
point to something significant, a significant site, a significant moment, a significant person. Are you a cairn? If you're not pointing to God, what are you pointing to? And if you are ready to be a cairn and be used, show who your God is, tell people about him, are you ready now? And what can you do now? Cairns can also be used to warn people that this is a dangerous way you're on. Head this way. There are a lot of people, even in our local community, there may be a few people here on this campus who are headed down a dangerous path spiritually. We need to be willing to point them to Christ. That doesn't happen by staying in our comfort zones. The tendency is to wait and, well, I'll go do ministry or I'll share the gospel somewhere sometime later. But if we really believe that God is who he says he is and the danger of disobeying him is as serious as he says it is, then we should be like shouting from the hilltops to follow him. So talk to some of these mission reps at these booths. See how you can share the gospel around the globe. But look here and now, and not just share the gospel, but encourage other believers. There's a significance to, to adding a stone onto an already existing cairn in that it helps keep against the weather and the erosion. It, it keeps, as if you keep building on it, it will last longer. So the more we start sharing with each other about God and who he is, the more we keep showing the way to him, the more we keep telling others about him, the more those cairns will grow. And we'll be like those disciples on the road to Emmaus who, who eventually came, Christ came to walk with them. And then when he left, they were like, our hearts were burning. That's how it should be when we're talking about our Lord. So look for opportunities right here, right now, to be a cairn, to bear witness, and to point the way to Christ. Can we pray together? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have to look in your word. And we pray, Lord, that as we go from here, that we would look for opportunities to grow in grace, to grow in holiness, to become more like you. We pray, Lord, that we would be cairns, that we would be memorials, monuments to your faithfulness in our lives. We thank you for who you are. And we pray, Lord, that each day that we would look for opportunities to share with others around us more about you. We pray you would make us bold, help us to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. 
We pray for those we may know who do not follow you yet. We pray, Lord, that you would bring them to yourself. We pray, Lord, for each of the mission reps that are here this week, that you would encourage them through conversation and prayer. We thank you for these opportunities we have to worship you, and we pray, Lord, that you will continue to add more laborers to the mission field, whether here or abroad. Pray you bless us the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen.